0: Hanging off the side of Mount Rushmore, it's the IGN Digi-Guys. And now, please welcome two men who didn't fall for super spy Eve Kendall, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Yeah, a North by Northwest reference. Corey, who sent that one in? I don't
1: know. Oh, Sorry, my thumb
0: was over it. Kevin Lower. There we go.
1: <laughs> We've never had that before.
0: <laughs> yeah. Eve Kendall. Gosh, Eve Marie Saint was just great in that movie. Brassy blonde. One of those Hitchcockian brassy blondes.
1: She's still around, Eve Marie Saint.
0: I know she is. Mark, turn your phone off. Hang on.
1: Wait a second. Oh, um, this is
0: so unprofessional.
1: The problem is I can't. You know why I can't turn my why phone can't off?
0: You, why can't you turn because
1: your the, off? Because uh, the on-off button on my iPhone is broken. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I went to the Apple store today. And so literally, normally you would press the power button to send this call to voicemail. I cannot press the power button because the power button doesn't work anymore. So now I must wait until it is done ringing and then so it automatically goes to
0: voicemail. your phone is permanently on?
1: Correct. I cannot turn this phone off. I mean, I mean no, what happens is that if you don't use the phone for you know, 15 seconds, it, it powers the screen down. Right. So it's not like I'm wasting the battery all the time. But I can't turn the phone off.
0: No, think of it this way. You, you might be in a situation where you couldn't turn it on.
1: That is correct. Uh, but here's the thing is that I, I figured I would upgrade and get a 4S, but I am not eligible I for see. the upgrade price of a 4S for I another see. three weeks. <laughs> so I said to the lady, I'm You're like, screwed. just give me the phone. I mean, come on. You're really going to make me wait three weeks. Who cares? Uh. Wouldn't you rather have my money now? Isn't my isn't my money today better than my money 3 weeks from now? I will give you my money now. No, no, you got to wait till uh, you got to wait till uh, you're officially eligible. Oh my gosh. Oh, damn it. Stop right. it. Yes, Wade.
0: Uh, you know, uh, a lot of interesting things happening in the world of companies that release DVDs and Blu-rays. Distributors is what we call them in the biz. We call them distributors. In the biz. Others call them just DVD companies. But uh, a lot of interesting things. You heard about this, right, that uh, that Cinedigm is now acquiring new video? Did you hear about that?
1: I did not know that. Yeah. What does that mean to the average uh, uh, DVD lover?
0: Uh, nothing, really. <laughs> it really it, it means very little. Um, well, the thing
1: is that is that Cinadime and uh, New Video they're going to form like this all digital studio. Yes, that they'll use to do whatever they. But you're but
0: do. you know there's all these other consolidations going on like you know B, the B E T billionaire guy. Uh, what's Robert his
1: name? Uh, Johnson? Yeah,
0: he's acquiring Image and Acorn. Which if you think about it, B E T and Acorn perfect oh. fit. Oh yeah. <laughs> acorn to, mm. I, there's I mean I love acorn, but it's like it's all British, old vintage British television with old white people in it. I, it. so I find the whole thing to be really kind of a fascinating fusion uh, you know anyway uh, so I mean this is it's an interesting time because this consolidation is is suggesting that um, there's still not just life left in DVD distribution companies, but that clearly somebody out there and some very important people. Don't think that packaged media is going away. They think that this is uh, this is an ongoing, living, vibrant industry, and it's going to coexist alongside streaming. So
1: I hope so because you stay,
0: know stay tuned, folks.
1: Well, because New Video had a, a partner deal with uh, iTunes. Yes, and that goes back a couple of years, where they would uh, you know independent films, older TV shows, you know, x number of thousands of titles would yes. be available on Apple's iTunes. And what, what 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 Although what I do like about the deal it's a little it's getting into the weeds now. But what I do like about the deal is that um synodime is the CEO of Diamonds Chris McGurk. Yes. Who used to run uh, Overture. Overture. We, who we he, had, he's a smart we, guy.
0: He's a great guy. I mean, look, Overture was a thriving company and could really have had a lot left in it. But the, the people at Liberty Media, uh, which is owned by John Malone, who owned Overture, they just got sick in the movie business. It's not because it wasn't making money. It just didn't fit their their impatience, You know, which is true for a lot of people. It's like, oh, my gosh, really? We've got to wait until these movies make money? We can't just like – knock this thing down right now the, the the nature of the movie business does not suit your typical Wall Street executive mentality. So uh, Liberty Media just said, "Screw you, we're we're done with Overture," and McGurk was was out on his butt, unfortunately. But um, he's a smart guy. We've been to his house. He's a, he's a lovely man, and um,
1: he, he's got he. Well, when we were there, he had a very nice house in Beverly Hills.
0: Like this is like that's still his house. Was oh, that still? He didn't his lose house? his house. Ho- Overture didn't own the house. Well, I didn't know whether he yeah. maybe
1: he sold it because he wanted oh, to. Maybe maybe. But it was knows. it was in Beverly Hills, like in the area where. When you take friends who are from out of town Oh, yeah And they want to see those houses Yeah You go up those streets that there's he lives a, on
0: and there's, a, and there's a reason why the French consulate is there And why I never miss a chance to go and have uh, cheese and crackers And all kinds of small little hors d'oeuvres and quiches and things In the backyard of the French consulate
1: You never invite me to those things You're
0: not on the VIP list
1: Yeah, but you have a plus one Yeah,
0: I, uh, not always, actually, not always Yeah, you made that up <laughs> it's, it's true, not always I can't uh, even take Christie sometimes.
1: All right. Anyway. Well, here's the thing. Speaking of not always, we're not always talking about Blu-rays because no. we're prowling on about crap like you know, that.
0: Let's do this. Let's let's. Uh, we still have. We we got so overloaded on kid stuff and kidvid for the longest time, and I still have this giant pile that I need to just plow through. Uh, so let me, let me blow through these titles, and I will let you prep some of these splashy, wonderful things, uh, these new releases that are very pertinent and, and uh, germane to people's lives. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it, honestly, I look at some of this stuff that's made for kids, and I just want to cry because it's tweaked. It's just wrong. When I was a kid, we watched you know, normal, non-psychedelic, twisted, weird crap like uh, Hobo Kelly and, and Bozo the Clown. And uh, now we get stuff like, I'm sorry, who are you people that allow your children to watch La La Loopsie? What is this? Aww. Adventures in La La Loopsie Land? This is very, very wrong. It's not right. Uh, this is the Adventures in La La Loopsie Land, The Search for Pillow. The Search for Pillow, Mark.
1: It, it, you know what? It's on your bed. Case closed. <sighs> oh, my god. That's what the pillow is.
0: Well, this is clearly designed more for little girls than anything else. It's, uh, the, the whole style of animation is is like... Uh, it's it's like needlepoint it's as if everything is stitched to the wall it's very peculiar and uh, a little bit cute and cloying and I don't really get it but I'm sure there are little girls everywhere who just uh, would throw rocks at me for saying that uh, also you know another Angelina Ballerina Ultimate Dance Collection has come out this is just the creepiest stuff ever I, Angelina Ballerina is already creepy it's, it's this rodent this, the pink rodent in the tutu I can't handle it Pop star girls dancing on ice, the Shining Star Trophy. Uh, you know, Angelina, you were created by a very, very strange and tweaked individual. By the way, uh, late, uh, a late, uh, few nights ago, I was watching uh, a rerun of um, H.R. Puff and Stuff. For some reason. That is so wrong. That is just a wrong show.
1: It says Puff. It's, it's puff. It's a big pot dream. Didn't yeah, we yeah. talk about this last week? It's a big, gigantic pot we dream. We have,
0: but it's just crazy. Uh, the Wild Thornberries Season 2. This is also tweaked, but it's it's a little bit more my speed. This is a Nickelodeon show. We've talked about it a million times. Uh, the Wild Thornberry's had a surprisingly successful movie uh, some years back. This is from 1999 to 2000. It's a good 13-some-odd years old, but still holds up. Uh, the uh, This is from Shout Factory, and uh, actually really kind of long overdue to get to... Well, anyway, season two, part two—I should say—it's not not uh, part one. They're they're doing the thing where they release these in in seasonal halves. But you know, Thornburys is that uh, it's that cool, cool twisted animation that uh, is sort of transmogrified in television lately. I don't know why. And then we also have another Elmo disc here. Uh, this is from the Sesame Street Elmo discs, Big Elmo Fun. Uh, I have a whole newfound respect for Elmo since, uh, as you may have heard last week when we talked about uh, the. Uh, the documentary about the man who does the voice of Elmo, which is one of the most touching documentaries I've ever seen. It is terrific, and now I can't watch Elmo anymore and just think, what a stupid Muppet you are. I, I just think, what an amazing American success story you are. So I admit it, I'm a sap, I'm a sucker, I'm down, I'm down with Elmo now.
1: Oh, you're a sucker, I know that. That I can vouch for.
0: Yeah, just, just do your work over there. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Dougie in Disguise. This is volume two from the Organa Kids line. And uh, we haven't gotten an awful lot of Organa Kids stuff, but uh, I guess there's more and more coming out. Any, anyway, this is 14 episodes from uh, the Dougie in Disguise series. And if you don't know what this is, um, Dougie is a. Is, it's kind of like. Uh, what's the, uh, the anime with the spiky headed dude? You know what I'm talking Bart about. Bart Simpson. No, well, anyway, Bart Simpson's better. Better. Yeah, doesn't he look kind of like Bart Simpson
1: a little bit? I uh, know he looks like uh, he 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 looks like a a a like a, a two-year-old baby version of, of Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs>
0: That's probably a good analogy. Well, anyway, um, the idea here is that Dougie and his dog Tim uh like to play dress up and uh you know he winds up doing all kinds being in disguise all kinds of things like at one point he's a pimp uh elsewhere he's a uh, he's a terrorist no i'm i'm not serious he, he he dresses up like a film director which i think we could say about half the directors in hollywood they're playing dress up as film directors uh, a toadstool an astronomer a polar bear a boatman a policeman uh, I got a little bit worried when they had him dressing up as a florist and a hairdresser. I sort of felt, you know what, children aren't quite ready for that. I don't think. But then again, I thought, no, 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 don't be homophobic, Wade. It's okay. There are there are a lot of uh, a lot of hairdressers and florists who who aren't necessarily gay, and that's not you know sexual preference is not a part of one's profession. So uh, don't go there. And then I came to my senses a little bit.
1: What are you talking about?
0: I have no idea. I'm rambling. That's all I'm doing. Ben 10, Ultimate Alien, The Ultimate Ending. Good grief. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this into a, to a conclusion. Uh, freaking Ben 10, it's like... It's, there's it's, been
1: so many oh Ben 10 DVDs. Gosh, it's just... And it's by an, the way, The Ultimate Ending, you know what that means? That means there's another, there's another 16, series. another
0: series. I know, I know, I know. It's, it's endless. But anyway, uh, this is one of the more popular things from Cartoon Network. I'm not entirely sure why, but... I'm glad that at least there's a Ben 10 release that has the word ending in it. Uh, Sean the Sheep, Sheer Madness. You get it? Sheer Madness. S-H-E-A-R. Sheep and pigs and aliens. Oh, my. Um the uh the, the the Shaun the Sheep thing has never been quite as funny as it was originally uh in its in its uh holiday incarnations but you know what it's awfully hard to dislike anything that is uh, that comes out of ardman and uh, speaking of that i'm supposed to see the uh, the pirates movie this week
1: you know i got the invite to that but uh i'm not going uh, you're not going no i'm going to new orleans
0: on tuesday
1: huh it's tomorrow it's tomorrow oh i could have gone then <laughs> Not going to New Orleans until Thursday. I've never been to New Orleans. So, Everybody, to, e, e, uh, email us at gods, and digigods, uh, gods at digigods.com and tell me where I should eat. Yeah. I've heard that uh, New amazing Orleans food. is just an orgy of amazing food. That's, it I is. I cannot wait.
0: One of the great food cities in the world. And, wait. and I don't speak from experience because I've never been there. So. I cannot
1: wait. I cannot wait.
0: Uh, Yo Gabba Gabba Super Spies Yo Gabba Gabba is even more tweaked than the Teletubbies I love the Teletubbies and then Yo Gabba Gabba came around and I just thought no no can't go there Uh, this is three installments from Yo Gabba Gabba Mystery Space and Big they don't have anything to do with each other but they they have to actually uh, do these compilation things because otherwise parents wouldn't have anything to do with their children in the morning you got a point yep and I know my hair covers it um Super Jail Season 2, uh, you know, honestly, I just, I don't know what goes on over there at Adult Swim. Write us at gods at com and, and tell us, are we too old for Adult Swim? Are we too old to understand I this? I like uh,
1: some Adult Swim stuff. Do I you... like, uh, I, I finally turned the corner on uh, the, the Claymation show, whatever it's called, I forgot. Yeah. Not Claymation. Uh, you stop know, motion. The, the, the thing that uh, the the kid from Family Guy does. What <laughs> 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 I understand. I oh, know. I know. It's I know. so it's, sad.
0: It's been a, it's been a long life. It, really it has. Is. Yeah. No. The um, super jail. You, I mean, seriously. I, I I just don't get it. I that
1: show called. It's called a oh, chicken. Robot chicken. Yes. I like Gee, robot that's an easy Ch- title like to chicken. remember. I like robot chicken now. So explain
0: super jail to me. Uh,
1: it's like robot chicken, except it's not.
0: Because like this one episode, the budding of of the were bucks with two X's. I'm t- t- I don't get it. Anyway, ten episodes. If uh, you're a total LSD addict, only then, and uh, only then, and then will it make sense to you. Uh, the uh, we here, here we go. Cartoon Network is starting to get a little Adult swimmy, too with this kind of stuff. Regular show Slack Pack, uh, twelve episodes. This has been well. You know, here's the thing. Eh uh, this, is, this is sort of how animation goes. Let's think of two animals that would uh, never, ever be caught dead in each other's company, and let's make them buddies, or kind of adversarial buddies, like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, a, a rabbit and a duck. Oh, isn't that funny? Or a mouse and a duck. Oh, that's so funny. Or like, uh, well, even a cat and a dog, Ren and Stimpy, which neither of them look like. I mean, you can't tell that they are even a cat and a dog. And here we've got a bird and a raccoon. Uh, okay. I guess. Um, okay, sure. Uh, write us at com and, and tell me what I'm missing. Um, moving very quickly through this, because we do have some really good movies to talk about. Uh, Stella Oh, Lo- no,
1: no, wait. Keep going with those DVDs. Oh, I know. You know what? We are, we, you know what? I, I, I can feel new people joining <laughs> our Facebook page right now as we speak as you talk this about from, Stella Luna.
0: Uh, you know, Stella Luna is actually really, really good. This is from Scholastic, which is part of New Video, which is soon to be part of Cinedigm and uh, this is based on an award-winning book and this is like this here we go this is more my speed it's kind of Don Bluthy animation and I uh, it's really really sweet um, it's a very, very famous children's book And I had not heard of it But I went and actually uh, checked out the book After this came in And um, it's a good book Like I would allow children of mine Even though I have none But I would allow children of mine To, to read this and watch this And uh, not feel as though their brains Are being rewired to become serial killers Like a lot of the other stuff we've talked about uh, But anyway, uh, Stella Luna, believe it or not Is a fruit bat I know that sounds strange and that sounds tweaked But you know what? It's a good, good time Good time with the fruit bat. Uh, really quickly winding up here, we've got Fireman Sam in Rescue on the Water. Uh, I think that speaks for itself. Uh, Animals United, Adventure in Africa. This is a, uh, a rather strange attempt by the people at ARC Entertainment to do... Uh, what's that DreamWorks... Mark, hey, wake up. That DreamWorks oh, I'm thing. Oh, i sorry, fruit bat, the, the, what now? The Africa, the... the, uh, what's the Madagascar. What's the, Madagascar. This is an attempt by the people at ARC Entertainment to do their own kind of Madagascar thing. Doesn't really work. Also from Scholastic is uh, Mo Willems' Pigeon and Pals, which is the complete cartoon collection, volumes one and two. Uh, this is uh, there's six stories here, and uh, if you don't know, uh, if you're not familiar with this, you, you ought to be because this is like classic old school, kind of uh, super rough, almost elementary school type animation, but it's just this something. Something really warm and engaging about it, and uh, it includes "Don't let the pigeon drive the bus." The pigeon finds a hot dog. Nuffle Bunny, cautionary tale. Nuffle Bunny Two, case of mistaken identity. Leonardo the Terrible Monster. Naked mole rat gets dressed. You love those naked mole rats, Mark. Naked mole rats. I'm not bailing you out. Bob's Burgers, the complete first season. You loved this thing, didn't you? Bob's Burgers, didn't oh. you? No.
1: It's uh, it's Fox's latest attempt to launch another animation show, which, by the way, is like not a. Graining or McFarlane animated show. It's not,
0: but it's good. I like it. I like it. I do. And you know what the interesting thing is about Bob's Burgers? I, I was not on board until I realized that they were doing a total cross promotional tie in with Fat Burger because I eat a lot at Fat Burger. I love Fat Burger. I love their turkey burgers. Double turkey burger with cheese, no mayo. Um,
1: How many grams of fat is a double turkey burger with cheese, no mayo at Fat Burger? Do you know?
0: I, I don't know, but I'm sure it's more once you have an order of their fries. And a, and a strawberry shake, oh yeah, oh you know it. Anyway, I saw Bob's Burgers things all over the place at Fat Burger, and I thought, damn it, I'm going to watch that show because it's. Uh, I'm going to be faithful to Fat Burger. And then lastly, is another one of these stupid uh, Cartoon Network Lego shows, NinjaGo: The Masters of Spin jitsu I'm sorry, I uh, I love everything to do with ninjas, and I just think this is the dumbest thing ever. I'm so sick of all of this Lego stuff. I Lego. Yeah, and Lego Land and all the rest of it. Just no,
1: Legoland rules. Oh, kids! No, it's great. You wouldn't think it's great, but it's great. Lego Land. It's so
0: good. That's it. I'm done.
1: Mark, tell oh, us you're what's done. All right.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's it for for that stuff. So tell us what what do we have in the wonderful world of movies?
1: Of, of uh, what do we have in the wonderful world of DVDs? People actually want to hear about. That's well, it. We have a new Men in Black film coming out, which I'm sure will be terrible. And uh, in the celebration of that fact. We have, once again on Blu ray, I remember in 2003 when Men in Black 1 came out on Superbit, which was the uh, Sony Columbia super high quality DVD format.
0: It was hokey. The whole thing was a bill of goods.
1: It, it was, right? Yeah. But you know what? Superbits, they were popular. They charged extra for them and people bought them. Anyway. Now we have uh, on Blu-ray Men in Black and Men in Black 2, men, uh, both directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, the former uh, cinematographer for the Coen brothers. And uh, Men in Black 2, very funny. Men in Black 2, uh, you know, the, the the problem with sequels is when they... they Because
0: uh, Men in Black came out already on Blu-ray in 2008. Yes. So this is... Uh, but well, Men in Black it, 2 it, didn't, which is weird.
1: Well, the, the the transfer is basically the same. But what I don't like about Men in Black 2 is that is what happens with a lot of sequels, which is they uh, they misidentify what made the first one so good. So in Men in Black 2, you get more effects. You get more aliens. That's not the point. That's not what made Men in Black funny. Could I just it, say this? It was this? part of what made it funny, but it wasn't the heart of it.
0: Let me just tell you something. No. I, I know I, in, in in theory I should be hating the idea of Men in Black 3, but um, Josh Brolin is a young Timely Lee Jones. <laughs> I like it. You're on board. I'm on board. I like it.
1: Although, are you on board with the idea that Barry Sonnenfeld recently not only not only is Barry Sonnenfeld into 3D, but get this 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 will make your, uh, your 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 cheese curdle. Uh, yeah. Barry Sonnenfeld actually prefers post converted 3D over native 3D. I swear to God, that's what he said. I think it was on indiewire.com. He's lying. He He prefers post-converted.
0: I don't even think he prefers 3D. I think he's saying whatever he feels he needs to say to sell the movies because Barry Sonnenfeld, by his own admission, is lazy and just loves the money, and it's all for the paycheck. That's true. He is lazy. He's lazy, and he admits it.
1: Anyway, uh, Men in Black, uh, they're both good looking, but and again, I, it's, it's yeah. not much of an upgrade from the old uh, Blu-ray, but uh, special I, and features. And I did the Men in Black
0: junket. I remember the Men in Black junket very well, and Barry Sonnenfeld came in in a very nice suit and tie and told us how lazy he was, and Will Smith came in and owned the room, and Tommy Lee Jones scared everyone half to death. Yeah.
1: That's
0: and what he does there it is
1: special features on Men in Black 2 I thought were better because uh, there's a blooper reel and an alternate ending and five featurettes but still if you're, if you're a Men in Black completist go for it um, one of the big ones this week maybe the biggest one of the week is the uh, beautiful Blu-ray of Camelot oh Camelot that
0: is a fantastic Blu-ray it is it's a fantastic Blu-ray another one of those great Warner Blu-ray books
1: it's great and you know yeah. I'll, I'll tell you uh, this movie was nominated for what three Oscars something like that this is the 45th anniversary edition of uh, Camelot I think it was up for I think three Oscars I don't know how many it won, but um, this is a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, Blu-ray.
0: And, and, and I gotta say, I'm here's the thing, because I'm very, very mixed on the movie. The Blu-ray is fantastic. If you love the movie, you're gonna go nuts for this thing. I mean, it's just a great, spectacular, Technicolor musical phenomenon. The, the, a lot of people have maligned the movie, and I think rightly on a certain level, because the stage production was first-rate. It was, you know, uh, the, the most amazing cast of all time. It was Julie Andrews. And uh, Richard Burton and uh, Robert Goulet, right? That was the trio. And you're like, amazing, awesome. There you go, Lerner and Lowe, the perfect voices to, to render that. And then for the movie, you wound up with Van- Vanessa Redgrave, Richard Harris, right. and uh, Franco Nero. Franco Nero? Who yes. can't sing? No, for, but to save his soul yeah, like but with, was the, in, with that uh, thick Spanish accent are you kidding
1: me yeah but Franco Nero is uh, he plays uh, but he and Vanessa
0: Redgrave basically you know hooked up on this movie and then uh, had you know children and then never married and then they recently got married in their old age and it's a it's the romance of a lifetime so from a Hollywood uh, kind of superstar amazing romance standpoint this is a worth the, the backstory to this movie is is almost more interesting than the movie but that being said the, I have warm to it it was criticized at the time for having too many close-ups and not really you know Josh Logan was not like the right director for this material he wasn't really a great musical director no people felt he was kind of you know leaning on a lot of uh, a lot of stale technique and uh, he wasn't like a Stanley Donnan or you know uh, any of the guys who no, were really, you really... you know
1: what? But I love South Pacific, and he had done South Pacific You also. love South Pacific? I do. I love do the you music. really? I love the music. I Are do. you kidding me? I love the music for that. You
0: do realize that we went and saw a restored version of that projected in 70mm at the Academy about four or five months ago. I didn't see that. And we nearly killed ourselves.
1: It I was, would have seen that. I love the music. They
0: had... Uh, what's-her-face was there. Uh, the, 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 was it Mitzi?
1: Ken, uh, Ken Darby. I don't know who. No, uh, uh, Mitzi Gaynor? I think
0: isn't Mitzi's in it, right? Is that Mitzi? Yeah. Yeah, she was there. She yeah. was there. Yeah, she's like a million how do you get
1: invi- Wait, how do you get invited to these Academy things? I, I only get I'm invited on to a
0: couple of them. I'm on the Academy mailing list. Really?
1: Yeah. Can I get on the Academy mailing list? Yeah, just
0: sign up online for crying out loud. Do that right now. Do it. Uh, but it was, it was, it was interminable. And the only thing that salvaged it was, uh, was Uncle Martin from My Favorite Martian. He's the only thing that made it watchable. That thing just was never ending. My gosh, it was horrible.
1: I love the music.
0: Yeah, well, anyway. that's
1: it. Anyway, this is a great. It's a great Blu-ray. Love it, love it, love it. This includes a, uh, a CD soundtrack with four songs, and it's got uh, you know the making of the film and a commentary by Stephen Farber, our good friend from uh, LaFKA.
0: You know who who was on the panel that I moderated last uh, Friday?
1: Uh, Stephen Farber. Yeah. What? Yeah,
0: just on Friday. No, I I that, that was the uh Colcoa closed on Sunday and on Friday we screened the uh, re, the restored print of Le Sauvage, the old uh, Jean-Paul Rappeneau film from 1975, which is basically like a French screwball comedy version of The African Queen with uh, Yves Montand and uh, Catherine Deneuve.
1: What I mean, you are a nerd.
0: And then afterwards we had a lovely panel on the uh legacy of Yves Montand with uh, uh his 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 last uh, what are you talking about? No, thank you. No, with his with his last wife, and with uh, Stephen Farber, and with the head of the French Cinematheque, they were all on the panel with me, and it was lovely.
1: Well, here it is to subscribe to the HTML email version of the Academy Events Calendar. Is that what it is? The Academy Events Calendar? Yes, that's what that would be. Please send an email to subscribe calendar at list. Dot- now, do I have to say that I'm like the coolest guy ever? And I'm with Lafka, or no? Just, just
0: anybody can sign up for that. Really? Yeah, but okay. you know, go ahead, do it.
1: Get it, get it going. I, I, I'm, I actually, know what? I'm on right now. All right. Uh, you know what? In the about uh, uh, 1914, there was a famous French uh, uh, cliffhanger series called The Perils of Pauline. Oh, my gosh. And The Perils of Pauline, pretty famous at the time. In fact, they remade it uh, in the early 30s, 1933. And that version, 12 thrilling episodes of The Perils of Pauline, is now available v- uh, via uh, VCI.
0: You know, yeah. there's a version of The Perils of Pauline that I love, and it's not that one. The one that I love is the one that everyone else hates. It is that totally spoofy, camped-up version with Terry Thomas and Pat Boone. I love it. I admit it. I love it. There it is. I love it. I love it.
1: Well, The Perils of Pauline will mean nothing to ninety-nine point nine percent of the people who listen to this podcast. But The Perils of Pauline was very, very famous for the time. Again, it was it was French, and then it was American, and uh, there's it, it became like a bit of a catchphrase for you know women in trouble and you know women getting in trouble in film. Oh, it's The Perils of Pauline. Uh, but it's good stuff. It's all bl- obviously black and white. We're talking 1933. In fact, the rumor is is that the because they shot a lot of these uh, on, in in the Palisades of New Jersey, mm-hmm. that which is a big cliff. You know, the Palisades is like sure. a big sheer cliff in New Jersey. Yes. They shot a lot of these there. That that's where they got the term cliffhanger. Uh, that is the rumor. Don't know if it's true. Yes. Anyway, uh, good stuff. Twelve exciting, thrilling, dangerous adventuresome hours of The Perils of Pauline on DVD. Good stuff.
0: Well, as long as you've you've opened the door to that, I'm going to mention a trio of Rank Collection films from VCI as well. You know, the Rank Collection is an ongoing uh, release series that they have going through VCI. Uh, J. Arthur Rank, for those who don't know, was the guy who – he was just a a big mogul, and he stepped into the British film industry and threw a lot of money at renovating and and re-upping the British film industry after World War II – and uh, to some degree before World War II, um, it, he. But it was really after World War II that he, he kind of kicked it into second gear and fi- basically helped start the career of uh, David Lean. Anyway, um, the Rank collection includes films all across that spectrum before and after World War II, and there is a trio of them uh, this week from VCI that are quite interesting. Power, aka Jusus, uh, is a, a kind of a notorious 1934 British film. Based on the same novel that the infamous German silent film was based on, which is one of the most sort of notoriously anti-Semitic stories of all time, uh, the uh, you know the the whole thing is about you know a Jew that doesn't really respect his station, and I'm, it's kind of weird that they would not put an audio commentary on this, um, which I totally expected them to do, but they didn't. So that's a strange thing. There was a um, a uh, documentary some, about what, about a year and a half, two years ago, about the uh, the guy who did the silent version, the German film, and the effect it had on his career. And uh, that's an awfully good film and very interesting. But this is really kind of a uh, peculiarity, and I'm, I really think VCI kind of missed a, an opportunity to do something historical with this, to really call attention to the, the legacy of this. But anyway, um, then we also have another carry-on double feature. They've been doing all these carry-on films all over again. And, uh, you know, there was a box set of all the Carry On films years ago. And if you missed out on it, well, then you have to collect them all one at a time now. Uh, Fortunately, there's two on each one. This is Volume 3. It features Carry On Camping and Carry On Again Doctor. Um, The carry-on films were just, they defined British comedy for several generations. They went on endlessly. This one was made in 1969. And, uh, you know, they're all kind of the same. And then lastly, uh, Conrad Veidt, who also stars in uh, Power, a.k.a. Jusus, also shows up alongside Madeline Carroll in I Was a Spy. This is from uh, 1933. And uh, it's a first World War story that actually feels an awful lot like a second World War story uh, about two Belgians who are spies for the Allies. And uh, it's kind of, you know, y- we've seen these kinds of films around World War II all the time. But, you know, it's interesting seeing one that comes from a very, very early sound period that uh, has, you know, in terms of style, it's actually quite sophisticated. So uh, you've got to kind of tip your hat to... Um, to the people who made this at the, the wonderful rank organization at the time. This is a pretty, you know, it's not a great film, but it really, it has a place in film history, and I think it's a little bit overlooked. So I Was a Spy, worth checking out.
1: Wade, shut up. Okay, um, we have from uh, the good folks at uh, Mill Creek, they have taken um, <laughs> as many public domain films as they can possibly <laughs> shove into <laughs> one set. In this case, this is like, there's like 30 films here. And they put it all into uh, a big box set called Timeless Family Classics. You know what's funny is how they, the box, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the copy on the back of the box says, yeah. uh, 60 hours of family entertainment and, or enjoyment. Enjoy hours of Hollywood's all-time family masterpieces. Yet, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm looking at these films. I don't know if they're all-time family masterpieces. I, I have to be honest with you. I think this is basically just a bunch of uh, public domain (laughs) crap that they threw onto a a thing. Anyway, um, but there are some great films here. Uh, The General is on this. Now, The General, the Buster Keaton General from 1927.
0: Yeah, you can get a better version of that. There's an amazing Blu-ray version. the Blu-ray from Kino for sure.
1: I mean, mean, who who knows what what prints they're working off of to create this thing. But – I mean, there are some good films, and some of the films star uh, actually a lot of the films star very famous people. There's you know Bob Hope and Kirk Douglas and Jack Benny and, and Charlie Chaplin and Douglas Fairbanks and John Wayne. So it's not like it's a bunch of nothing films, but you're not talking about uh, John Wayne's uh, best film. No. Uh, anyway, so there's like there's like thirty films on here. Most you, all you've never heard of. Some are pretty good. Our Town is on here with William Holden from 1940. Farewell to Arms. Laurel and Hardy. The Flying Deuces is really funny. But, uh, you know, look, this is something where if you see timeless family classics from uh, from Mill Creek, if you see this on the shelves for like, you know, $4, go for it. Totally. Wow. Uh, Wade, there's an old uh, Charlton Heston film called Pony Express. And, oh, my um,
0: gosh. Really? Why? Is that out?
1: Yes. It's from okay. 1953. Right. You know, I've actually read about the Pony Express. <laughs> you you would not be surprised to learn mm-hmm. that I have read about the Pony Express. There's actually a very good book about the Pony Express called Orphans Preferred, which I have read. Really? Yes. And I didn't realize how the Pony Express worked and, uh, you know, and why it uh, came to be and why it eventually only lasted 18 months. You know, people make movies about the Pony Express, including this one. They write books about the Pony Express and whatever, sing songs. Pony Express lasted for 18 months. Really? That's it? That's it. Just a year and a half. And then The Telegraph came and that was the end of it. Wow. Anyway, this uh, film here, Pony Express, stars Charlton Heston and Forrest Tucker from F Troop. And uh, it's pretty good It's a little Hollywoodized You know It's not not a great film But uh, it's interesting It's uh, directed by uh, Jerry Hopper Don't know who he is I don't know how many other films he directed But uh, he did an okay job with this And uh, if you're a Pony Express fan Which maybe someone in your family is uh, It's not bad Pony Express with Charlton Heston
0: you know, uh, this release actually is from uh, Olive Films, still as part of their Paramount output deal. And uh, we got a few other Olive titles this week. Uh, these are all the films, by the way, that sit in the Paramount library. And the Paramount people twiddle their thumbs and say, we don't really see any point in even putting the slightest bit of effort behind this because it's not going to garner us $800 million. And then uh, somebody like Olive comes along and says, you know what, we want that. We know an audience for that. We can market that. And they say, fine, give us a buck fifty, and uh, you can do what you want. And those deals more often than not wind up with the, uh, the studio feeling taken because somebody realized that there was an audience for one of their films that they didn't, which shows you how stupid the studios can be. But I think uh, Olive is making some very smart choices. we got a film here called Hit! Uh, Exclamation the, point! The artwork here is great. It's a picture of Billy D. Williams looking all young and studly and cool, wearing a suit, holding a bazooka with a giant explosion behind him. This is on DVD and Blu-ray. I got a Blu-ray in front of me here, and it is cool. This is anamorphic widescreen CinemaScope 2.35. It is beautifully photographed by the great John Alonzo, um, right around the same time that he did Chinatown. Uh, and you know, Alonzo also did Scarface. I mean, one of the great cinematographers of all time. And really-
1: Star Trek Generations.
0: Yeah, we'll forget about that. But uh, this is here's basically what happened. This is from 1973, and after in in the wake of the French Connection, which won uh, best picture in uh, 1971. Everyone suddenly wanted to make a French Connection. And so Paramount decided we're going to do one that's kind of a little bit French Connection-y and a little bit black y but it's more mainstream. So they made this movie starring Billy Dee Williams as a government agent who is uh, on his way to France, to Marseille, where I actually lived, where, of course, you know a lot of French Connection 1 and 2 takes place. And he is going to just wreak unholy vengeance on the, uh, the drug mob that uh, is responsible for the death of his daughter. That's it. But listen to this. In addition to John Alonzo shooting this thing, you've got Lalo Schifrin doing the music, who, of course, who else scored music it, movies in, in the first half of the 70s? It's like all Lalo Schifrin. You know, End of the Dragon, Dirty Harry. I mean, you name it. He, he even, wrote he, the theme to Mission Impossible. He also wrote the theme to the first season of Star of, uh, Starsky and Hutch. Thank oh, you very much. Did he really? Yep, he sure did. Lame. And uh, Sidney J. Fury directed this, who, you know, had a pretty decent decent career. So... It's it's not a great film, but it's much better than you would think it is. And uh, Richard Pryor is surprisingly good in this. This is one of those films where you uh, you think you're watching a Billy Dee Williams film and suddenly Richard Pryor pops up and you go, hey, right on.
1: Wade, I have a very uh, clever, and I'm being a little self-congratulatory when I say this, but I have a very clever uh, French Connection segue. Well, so then you, do that. You mentioned French Connection. Yes. I have in my hot little hands on Blu-ray uh, badge... 373 mm-hmm. Which from 1973 A great era of um, uh, Cop films Including French Connection And the film and I just mentioned That's true yes. And this film Stars And was co-written by Eddie Egan No kidding Who was uh,
0: Herman Munster's son No? Stop. Different Eddie?
1: Exactly
0: no. Richard, uh, e- Richard Egan Relationship to Richard Egan
1: I can't take you anywhere. No, you're embarrassing. I'm sorry. No, Eddie Egan was one of the cops whose whose uh, career was was cut, cut short it. cut short by a drug overdose. Yes, it was actually a large spaghetti accident. Yeah. Um, no, Eddie Egan is one of the cops whose whose uh, life was was you know committed to film in The French Connection. He was oh, one yeah, of the cops right. in The French Connection. That's right. Yeah, so yeah. Eddie Egan, after The French Connection, who and he was in there. He was in one scene in The French Connection. He was in one scene. He did a good job. Anyway, he winds up writing badge. Three seventy three. Uh, it was based on his life. And Pete Hamill, the famous columnist, not also con- helped...
0: Not to be confused with Pete Hammond.
1: Or Mark Hamill. Yeah. Uh, he wrote the script. So, <laughs> and it stars Robert Duvall. And what, what's great about this film, it's, a, it's, it's not a great film, but it's pretty cool and it's overlooked. It actually starts with the obligatory... Give me your badge and gun. <laughs> you know the scene where like the rogue cop yeah. has, you know, that, like the, 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 uh, the, the uh, commander has finally had enough yeah. of the rogue cop because, you know, he, he caused like an accident that like that, that destroyed three police yeah. cars and injured a bystander. And he says, turn in your badge and your gun. Starsky this Hush. movie starts with that. Starskin
0: Hutch third season finale is they throw their badges into the ocean. Freeze frame. That's <laughs> the worst. I don't know why I know that. Okay, go terrible. on.
1: Anyway, badge uh, three seventy three. Robert Duvall plays Egan and uh, directed by uh, Howard W. Koch. Right, Howard W. Koch. Yeah, he he directed stuff. Hawk. Oh, he yes. Hawk. Why not? Yeah, we know Hawk. Anyway, uh, badge three seventy three. If you love seventies crime drama type movies, I guarantee you you have never seen this, and you will not as good as the best of them, but you will enjoy it. Anyway, uh, also on Blu-ray is uh, the Jay Hawkers, which is a, a pre-Civil War film. I, I didn't really like this because you know what? It's uh, stars Fess Parker who I think is a cheese ball, and I don't get it. Uh, he was He's TV Daniel, Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett. He was Davy Crockett, that's right. He wore
0: two different sets of uh, coonskin caps.
1: Exactly. Anyway, it's uh, pre-war Kansas, and a government agent uh, tries to kind of infiltrate this like, vigilante group called the Jayhawkers. And, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty standard Western stuff. I don't know why it's on Blu-ray, maybe because everything's going to be on Blu-ray eventually, so Well, That's
0: also part of the Olive outlo- the, uh, uh, output deal.
1: Wait, don't show me up.
0: Sorry, you know it's a th- it's a thing, man.
1: Um. Anyway, Red Ho- uh, the Red House stars uh, Edward G. Robinson.
0: Yeah, yeah, Moses.
1: Yeah, she. It's kind of a film noir movie, and uh, so it's like we're talking like you know early '40s, late '50s. '50s kind of the, the noir heyday. And it's a funny, it's a cool little film. It's got like all these cool little plot twists that uh, I was not expecting. And what I like about the uh, the Blu-ray of the Red House with Edward G. Robinson is Mm. that even though it's not an all-time classic, uh, they did a good job putting it together. It's a two it's a two DVD set. Well, there's a Blu-ray and a DVD. There's an audio commentary uh, trailer. It's been digitally restored, so it looks pretty good. Restored from the thirty-five millimeter elements. Nice. And uh, it's good. I mean, they're. You know, there are better westerns from that time, like the original 310 to Yuma and Broken mm. Arrow and Destination, oh, whatever it is. Sweet. Um, but it's good. It's good stuff. Uh, the Red House is, is, again, is a film noir I guarantee you have not seen. Just like Badge 373 is a, is a gritty cop film you've never seen. True. But it's worth checking out. The Red House.
0: Uh, two more from my little stack here. And then, Mark, you want to talk about those books? A, a quaint, Just a little, little book break in the middle of the show?
1: No. Okay.
0: Well, we're going to do it anyway. A uh, couple of interesting uh, oddities here. One is the getting of wisdom from Kino Lorber. Getting of wisdom is an early film by Bruce Beresford, who, of course, is the uh, the great Australian director who came over in that wave that brought over all the great Australian directors, like you know Roger Donaldson and Peter Weir and uh, Roger Miller or George Miller and all of that whole crew. Anyway, um, this was a film that he made in. Um, the, the, the venerable year of 1977, which we usually associate with Star Wars and Close Encounters. And The Getting of Wisdom is based on a novel. It's one of those um, kind of, uh, you know, Victorian feminist tales. Lorna Dune is one of those. Oh, I love those cookies. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, um, this was written by Henry Handel Richardson, and it's very Australian. It tells the story of a woman named Laura Tweedle Rambotham. Isn't that a great literary name?
1: Uh, across the pond, but in America, we just laugh.
0: Yeah, she's basically, you know, a female, kind. she's like a female cross, she's a Dickensian character. She's very kind of Oliver Twist crossed with, uh, you know, I don't know, Long John Silver. And uh, it's it's a very nicely done film, especially for that time and considering how few resources they had. And uh, you can tell Beresford is a guy on the move. He's, uh, you know, still a very young director. And uh, probably a lot to kind of polish up, but it's a it's a nice little uh, historic gem from his career that has not been available previously. So that's a that's Kino Lorber has done us a, a great favor in getting that out. And then from the Warner Archive Collection, which is all DVD-Rs, they're usually made to uh, you know uh, manufacture on demand MOD discs. Um, this is a uh, a William Wellman film that would be the same William Wellman who did Wings the original Best Picture winner. Um, Wellman went on to a semi-spectacular career, and this is one of his sound films and uh, for MGM. And it's, it's okay. It's, uh, it's kind of a run-of-the-mill Western in many, many respects. Um, it's a little too, I think, am, somewhat ambitious for its own good. Uh, it, it's it called Westward the Women, And it stars Robert Taylor, who I've never been terribly fond of, and uh, Denise Darcel. And it just feels like uh, a very shrill pioneer melodrama most of the time. But some people like that kind of thing. So um, what you get here is an audio commentary with film historian Scott Amon and uh, some, you know, vintage featurette and trailer material. And uh, if this is your kind of thing, knock yourselves out. But Westward the Women is um, kind of, I think, a deservedly forgotten genre film.
1: Yeah, that's what I say.
0: So, Mark, uh, we got a couple of books, and uh, I know you were marveling at, uh, at one of them because it's rather scandalous, isn't it?
1: It could be. Uh, Christian Bale is a, uh, one, of the, one of the great modern actors. I would... Uh, I'm a little... I, 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 I like the fact that actors of his quality do big tentpole films because it just sort of classes up the joint. So I like the fact that Christian Bale is doing Batman and Terminator and whatever. But, um, on the other hand, uh, I wish you would not forget where he came from.
0: No, I agree with you.
1: Now, the one thing we know about Christian Bale is that he's, uh, he's nuts. (laughs) He has, most
0: most great actors are.
1: Well, he has, well, look in, do you remember in 2008, Bale, like, like, assaulted his mother and sister at a hotel. Yeah. Remember that? He got arrested
0: for I, it. I would have assaulted him too. They were like begging him for money, man. I,
1: you know what? I was I'm, not classy. I'm right there with you. And then like a few months later, he had that, that rant on Terminator Salvation. That
0: yeah, because funny. the cinematographer was being an a-hole.
1: Was he? Here's the thing. Do you, now, do you side with the cinematographer or no. Bale?
0: No, I side with Bale. Because, yeah. I, because, because I know, well, a friend of ours, a certain friend of ours who produces a lot of commercials, has worked with that DP and swears that he's a really nice professional guy. But I've talked to other people who've been on sets of other films that he has DP'd, and they say that he's a problem. He he comes from commercials. He has no under—he just it, it totally disregards the actors. He doesn't exercise proper set etiquette, and he he's known in many circles to—at least it is rumored, I should say. It is rumored that he is abusive to the, the camera crew. There are a lot of people who have gone on the record as saying, you know— He's, he's mean to people. So, I mean, look, eh, everyone's going to pick their sides. But, uh, you know, obviously the there's a context to that rant that we don't know all of the circumstances of. But from what I've heard, uh, he had it coming.
1: Uh, well, because I live in uh, 2012 America, I don't care about context. I know. I, I will just spout my opinions no matter how uh, half-cocked they are. There you go. Because I'm an American in 2012. Anyway um, – So Christian Bale, Oscar winner, uh, one of the great actors of his generation. And, of course, that means that people have to come out of the woodworks and write books about him. So we have a rather sad attempt to uh, capitalize on the uh, fame of Christian Bale in a book written by his former publicist and assistant named Harrison Chung. And what's funny is that this movie called – this movie – this book called Christian Bale, The Inside Story of the Darkest Batman – is so larded with, like, Batman words and, you know, in the jacket copy so that you're constantly reminded of who Christian Bale is. Like, for instance... Yeah. Harrison uh, Chung, who wrote this book, he is is noted here twice as not just being uh, Christian Bale's former publicist and assistant, but he's actually Christian Bale's real-life Alfred. Oh, boy. I mean, it actually says twice, his real-life Alfred as if you you know you want to make sure that we get that Batman Alfred yeah, connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, this book uh you know it's will I'll I'll say this, it's a very breezy read. Uh it's got a lot of interesting little anecdotes cuz he realizes that uh, Harrison realizes he's he's, 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 he's got to spill it. He's got to spill it or that uh no one's going to read this thing. Uh so there you go. The, the one thing I didn't uh, I did read or I did note had nothing to do with Christian Bale which is that I didn't realize that James Woods was offered the lead to Reservoir Dogs numerous numerous times except I mean Tarantino wanted James Woods to star in Reservoir Dogs wow except for one thing James Woods's representation his agent wouldn't even present the offer to James would not
0: See, that, and that happens a lot, because which, is hor- which is really awful.
1: You get these agents who are the gatekeepers and yeah. are paid to say no, because if you say no, you can never be wrong. And uh, he kept that offer from James Woods, and, of course, it wound up being Reservoir Freaking Dogs. Oh anyway, God. that anecdote has nothing to do with uh, Christian Bale. Anyway, um, the inside story of The Darkest Batman, the dumbest title ever for a book like this. Uh, again, it's a, it's, it's a fast read. There's some good stuff in it. Uh, you know, I don't know how much of an opportunist this guy really is. I, it, it, it sort of uh, rubs me the wrong way he would do this. But uh, what are you going to do? But uh, this guy Harrison, he was there through uh, the early years of uh, Christian Bale up Sweet. through Batman, and there you go. Scandalous! I'm into it. You, you know what? You yeah. love scandal. You love you, you love you love love scandal, the scandal. The movie, uh, yeah. You love the you love the song the the, the band. Remember the band Scandal? Yeah. With Patti Smythe?
0: Goodbye to you. That's right. Hey, hey, goodbye to you. You
1: know what she was back in the day?
0: Yeah. Delicious. Smoking.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, One more book we have for you, Uh, Every Night the Trees Disappear, which is from Alan Greenberg, and it is uh, about Werner Herzog and the making of Heart of Glass. Now, Werner Herzog, as you know, has had a rather uh, lengthy and uh, wide-ranging career, don't you think, Wade? Yeah, totally. And uh, this book is all about Herzog. Now Herzog is a very unusual guy, and he has very unusual tastes. And the *Heart of Glass* was a film that he had made in 1976, and it was set in Bavaria, and it was written by Herzog. And uh, it's a funky little film. And this is all about the making of uh, the *Heart of Glass*. And there's a lot of great stories. you know, because back back then, you know, you were talking about films like you know whatever Fitzcarraldo or whatever. Like like, like yeah. Herzog would just go yeah. nuts to make a film. Yeah. You know, Herzog and his longtime best, you know, leading man, Klaus Kinski, the two of them together were basically.
0: Those were the days. Those (laughs) were were the days. Basically
1: nuts. And uh, so it's about the making of that, of, of, you know, of uh, Heart of Glass. So it's good stuff. It's really much more into, like, just how difficult it is to make a film. Uh, what you have to endure to make a film. Especially if and, you're working with him. You know what? And the, 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 the psychological trauma that it takes to work with Werner Herzog and make the types of films that he liked to make back then. You
0: know, there's, <laughs> there's a very funny very funny story. I can't remember what film it was, but a, a friend of mine was at the uh, DGA years ago, like 10 years ago. And they were, they were screening some Herzog films. And, in the mi- and Herzog introduced the film. And then somewhere in the middle of the movie... There's this ruckus in the DGA theater. Like there's this screaming and everyone turns around and Werner Herzog and some woman are just, just screaming at each other at the top of their lungs. And he gets up and walks out and then she gets up and walks out. And it was like Werner Herzog making a scene in his own movie. It's outrageously cool.
1: We we gave we gave him uh the best documentary award. Yes, we did. Uh, this year at yes. the uh, Lafka Awards and watching him stand up. Yeah at the podium. It's pretty cool. In front of the assembled crowd and talk in that Werner Herzogian
0: speak. It's a very soft German accent. He talks like Werner Herzog <laughs> and you don't realize just how crazy he is. He sounds like a very gentle man who's going to sell you some schnitzel on the corner.
1: And the thing is, is that is that now you know, he narrates all his documentaries now. Yeah, which and is it's great. It's really bizarre hearing like this this German accented guy. The
0: grizzly bear thinks that he's food. That's why he's going to eat him. <laughs> Uh that awesome. inter- that's cool that I I want to check that out. I'm going to I'm going to read that book this week. Uh we got two DVDs here uh, that I'm going to mention only because from a marketing standpoint this is one of those things. We've talked about this every once in a while where we'll get a couple of movies in one week or within a week of each other where the marketing is exactly the same. And this is this is like template marketing and it drives me crazy the films are The Witches of Oz which I have here on Blu-ray and Jeremy Fink and The Meaning of Life which I have on DVD Um, now Jeremy Fink and The Meaning of Life is a complete this is based on some book that apparently people like a lot I don't know whatever never heard of it it's one of those kids books that's becoming popular now with the Harry Potters and the the, all the uh, the 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 Twilights the Twilights and the Hunger Games and all this stuff this is about a kid who gets uh, some kind of a magic box on his 13th birthday, and it's locked. And then he and this girl have to run around New York City and, or wherever, whatever city they're in and find clues to opening it up. Um, Top-lining this, actually, it's not, they don't mention the kids. Here's who they mention. They mention Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino and Emmy Award winner Joe Pantoliano. Uh, how the mighty have fallen. I mean, Mark, seriously, come on. Is that going to do anything for, for, for their careers, to get people to take them seriously again? No. Okay. Based on this, he's never going to win another Emmy and she's never going to win another Oscar. This sort of says, yep, these are the movies that we make now. This is where we are.
1: Well, I feel bad for her. I mean, you know, she's, you know, she's, she's got that Ashley. She's so talented. Well, she's got that Ashley Judd thing going on where they're very talented, they're very beautiful, but they're in their late 30s, early 40s, yeah. and they don't really know where to go, what to do. Well, can't get the roles. I not know. for them.
0: Sucks. Well, anyway, this next one is just a really peculiar film, and uh, I don't think this was ever, this is from Image, I don't think this was ever intended to be theatrically released, but it certainly is probably going to do really well on Blu-ray. Now, the Witches of Oz uh, has this vast cast, and the idea here—it's a—I don't know who cooked this up—the idea is that uh, Frank Lloyd Baum's granddaughter is now a uh, an author herself, and she writes, uh, you know, Oz-based books. And as it turns out, all the characters from Oz actually really exist, and they are uh, somehow going to show up in New York, and the uh, the Wicked Witch is is going to try and conquer the world, and it just—it's. Quite silly, um, surprisingly well done for what must have been a modest budget. Uh, although, I got to tell you, you know, when the wizard himself shows up and uh, oh, he's uh, Christopher Lloyd, you kind of want to cry. But it is nice to see Mia Sarah again, who has vanished after she did uh, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's like she did Ferris Bueller's Day Off in Legend, and then she just disappeared. And there was some kind of a, there was some kind of a TV miniseries that she did as well, but she just, then her career ended, and I'm so nice, it's nice to see her back, so welcome back, Mia Sarah, but Christopher Lloyd, please go away, stay away from my movie screen.
1: Oh, wait, we have a Blu-ray of uh, Pariah, which is a film that came out uh, late last year. Yeah, this
0: this film won a lot of awards, actually. You
1: know, it's a terrific film about, uh, it's about this, uh, this, you know, African-American teen who's kind of coming of age, and, you know, her father calls her daddy's little girl, You know, the mother, you know, is uh, very religious, and so this kid is kind of like being pulled two different ways. Totally. I know uh, how that
0: is. (laughs) I do.
1: Written and directed by a talented, uh, interesting stylist named uh, D. Reese, and very distinctive and a very strong voice, and I hope D. Reese continues to make films. Uh, You know, it's really good stuff. This is on Blu-ray. It's a low budget, but it still looks very clean and very, uh, very nice. I like this film. This is a little gem from uh, late in 2011 called Pariah. And the um, bonus features include a little uh, featurette on D. Reese and uh, something about uh, Pariah's wardrobe, which you'll understand more when you see the film. And you know what? I thought this film was, uh, it was, it was surprising. It came out of nowhere. Very empowering. Very mature. Very few false notes in it. And I thought it was terrific called uh, Pariah. It was, a, it, was, it, was, it was a bit of a Sundance thing. So that definitely uh, helped get its uh, street cred out there. But it's good. It's good stuff. And it takes place in Brooklyn, in Fort Greene. So uh, you know what? I liked it. Pariah, good stuff.
0: Groovy. Uh, cinema Verite is not a documentary about Cinema Verite. Cinema Verite is a film from uh, the uh, the husband and wife team of Shari Springer Berman and Robert Pulcini who the LA film critics gave their Best Picture of the Year award to some years ago for American Splendor. American Splendor is a terrific film. Uh, this is a little more of a peculiar film. It's well done. Uh, it's just, it's about such a an odd subject. Um, HBO financed this, and if, you, if you're, you know, the origins of reality television are, are technically in the minds of a lot of people. They're traced back to the uh, the real cinema movement, the, uh, the cinema verite movement of documentaries, which was sort of anchored by a lot of people, including the Maysles brothers and all these, these documentarians who wanted to – they wanted documentary to just be vibrant and capture the moment. And one of the seminal films in that movement was um, the, this uh, documentary called An American Family. Which is basically just the the origins of, it's, it's reality television it's just following a family around and uh, you know seeing them in all of their warts and all glory uh, for everybody to just stare at and, and it's kind of you know painfully voyeuristic uh, what Polcini and um, Berman decided to do was make a film about the making of that film since they I guess figured it's timely now so what we get is uh, our movie stars like Diane Lane and Tim Robbins playing the original parents that that was in that film james gandolfini is the filmmaker and uh i think because these people are so recognizable because they're movie stars it somehow doesn't it loses something it loses the 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 punch and the impact that the original an american family had at the time so while this is very well made and uh and compelling on a certain level it just kind of never quite hits its stride but it you know Polcini and um, Berman are good filmmakers and uh, it's hard to not recommend something that they did even if it winds up being kind of a curiosity. So there it is Cinema Verite with Diane Lane, Tim Robbins, James Gandolfini.
1: Wade, a very strange film we'd like to talk about now. It's a thing called The Fields which is available on DVD and on Blu-ray. Ooh! This is uh, one of those films that uh, is like one of those creep show, low budget creepy films supposedly based on actual mm. events which of course <laughs> is completely meaningless now. But uh, get this. Film stars Cloris Leachman. Yes. The class, actually, you know, Cloris Leachman is an Oscar winner. I know. Uh, Cloris Leachman and Tara Reid. So <laughs> you know already. Yeah. Talking top shelf. Yeah. There you go. And it's about this kid who uh, becomes obsessed that the Manson family is uh, living in the cornfield in back of their house.
0: Of course they are.
1: And this is all played very seriously. Although it's not very scary. And uh, it's basically really crappy. And you know what? This is probably when Tyra Reed could not get a job. <laughs> you, you know, totally. really, for years, she could not get a job. Now I know. And, and who's going to hire Cloris Leachman? God love her. So, you know, I, I guess I can understand the casting. But anyway, this is uh, this is pretty low rent stuff. It's it's uh, It takes itself way too seriously. It's not that exciting. It's not that creepy. So I would definitely pass on the fields. And what do you got there, Wade?
0: I have the Mark Wahlberg film Contraband, which will be our last title this week. Uh, Mark Wahlberg and Kate Beckinsale play husband and wife in this movie about a guy who used to be a smuggler, and they pull him back in after her brother gets into uh, gets in bad, makes some big dumb mistakes. Anyway, uh, y- you know what, uh, Giovanni Ribisi is probably the best thing in this because he just knows the whole thing is silly. He plays this tattooed, crazy, Cajun, over-the-top drug lunatic. And uh, the whole thing is so silly; it just doesn't really work. It's based on an Icelandic film, believe it or not, um, and it's directed by Baltazar Kormakur, who is something of a uh, you know he's a, he's a filmmaker himself in Iceland. He's you know he did uh, was it 101 Reykjavik, you know?
1: I hated that film.
0: But but the, he, he, the movie that this is based on is not one that he directed. It's one that he acted in. Is that weird? What? I know it's so strange. But anyway, it's not a very good film, and the original isn't even very good, to be honest. The original Icelandic film. Um, but it's it, you know it's Mark Wahlberg trying to be kind of a more serious action hero, action star guy, and he's doing the thing he usually does, and there's actually some interesting direction when they're coming back and the containers on the boat and the way it's all put together, but, you know, uh, bits and pieces don't make for a complete movie, so unless you're a Mark Wahlberg fan and crazy for him, and uh, you know, unless Kate Beckinsale really spins her wheels, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't put too much into it. Uh, this is a Blu-ray DVD combo disc, and uh, it's fine. It's it's decent. You know, it's uh, from Universal. They didn't. They didn't go crazy on it. They just. Uh, they gave it. It just feels as though they're kind of coasting with this one. So anyway, we will see you next week.